Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 128. Brought to you by the Five Folk at SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, Michael Kist, at Michael Kist NFL on Twitter. That's K-I-S-T. Here with the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day, Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, let's pretend like we didn't just talk or haven't been talking this entire time while recording 127 as we tr- transition right into 128 here. How are you doing? Has anything happened since you have not left my computer screen? Everything is delicious. Shockingly, <laughs> I have remained consistent. Though, like, as as we broke at the end of last podcast, the main thing that's changed is we're now confirmed that Sam Donald is out. So we're definitely getting Luke Falk, which, like, you know, if we had known, maybe we would have done the Jets defense first. So we would not have spent time talking about Sam Donald on the last podcast. But that's just how these things go. Um, we also did learn that Sidney Jones is expected to play and Jason Peters is expected to play and Deshaun Jackson is not expected to play because Peterson's also giving his, uh, whatever it's called, his presser. And we also saw Sam, uh, Adam Gase up at the podium say Sam Donald won't play, looking like big sad boy, big sad boy Adam Gase up at the podium. <laughs> not happy camper, understandably so. Let's talk about the injury report for both of these teams. And look, we are recording on a Friday morning. So when this comes out, it's going to be a little bit late. But we're dealing with the Thursday injury report. Did not participate for the Eagles. Cornerback, Ronald Darby with a hamstring. Wide receiver, Deshaun Jackson with an abdomen. Defensive tackle, Timmy Jernigan with a foot. And then cornerback, Avante Maddox, of course, with a concussion and the next brain as well. Limited participation. Derek Barnett's dealing with a groin issue. He seems to be banged up a lot, man. He's... It's a big season for him. Cornerback, Sidney Jones, speaking of banged up a lot, he's dealing with a hamstring, which tends to pop every time he runs in a straight line, which is a problem for cornerbacks. Offensive tackle, Jason Peters, is dealing with the knee. You're going to have to take him out on his shield. So I think he's always going to be banged up throughout the year, but it's not, it's not really going to matter as long as it's not too hot and he doesn't need to take the rest of the game off like what happened in week one. But that's happened, what, a couple weeks now. Anyway, full participation, Jason Kelsey, not injury-related. Brother, have you seen little Wyatt Elizabeth, little the new daughter? Oh, Kelsey Nugget. <laughs> Yeah, it was so exciting. Congratulations <laughs> to the Kelsey family. It's so much fun. Imagine if your dad was Jason Kelsey. You oh, my God. have to be cool. It's not allowed cool to be otherwise. Be? I want him to be my dad now. I can't imagine how much fun that's going to be for like a little teeny tiny baby growing up. That's got to be a fascinating experience. Brother Kelsey's going to retire in the offseason. Yeah. He's honestly like not not even trying to like throw shade on him. Like he's a, I can only imagine like I was telling you before this other show, like I dote all over my little tiny, teeny tiny baby kids like a sucker. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to be a, a, not even, a not even remotely near emotionally prepared to deal with that. I think about having children. And I start crying. And I think of like the type of person that I think I know Jason Kelsey to be. And he's just going to be all over this teeny tiny baby with a daughter too. Like I got all boys and I still dote all over them. If I had a girl, I'd be in serious trouble. I think Jason Kelsey is going to be all over that teeny tiny baby girl, man. I need to have a girl because gene wise... <laughs> I'm not producing a male professional athlete. It's not happening. You're producing a chess player? Is that? Uh, Hopefully. We'll see. That would be good. I would root and go out. I would cheer. You know, he would like, you know, knight the E4. And I'd be like, you're up. Like, you know, that's not important. But no, I, gene-wise, I don't, I don't like, it's very unlikely. How tall is your fiance? Not tall. 
We don't have a lot of jeans anywhere. But what I'm saying is that the the athletic delta in men's professional sports is, is larger than it is in, in women's professional sports. This is known. And so we have a better chance of producing a female caliber professional athlete than we do a, a male caliber professional athlete. And so that's I'm really banking on that. I'm banking on, you know, starting pitcher for the USSSA Pride. I'm banking on, you know, point guard for the, the, the Chicago Sky. That's what I'm looking for here. Uh, this, yeah. is where, this is what I got to hit. But either way, Kelsey had a kid. Very exciting stuff. Did you know yeah. who was? Did you see who was starting center in his place? No. Big V. What? A dark timeline, brother. So no, wow. So no Wisniewski because he's gone and he was he didn't do well with yeah. snapping the ball in training camp. Isaac Siamalo would be the other backup. Right. They probably like think they already know that they've got Siamalo at center for a game situation, and so they just wanted to try out, like, you know, Siamalo goes down, and then Kelsey goes down the next play. What do we do? Right. Sort of a thing. But, man, when I saw Jason Kelsey out from practice for, you know, like, personal reasons, and most of the beats knew that, like, his wife was, like, past due, and so no one was like, what's going on? Like, Stefan Diggs. Different conversation. But the surprising thing for me was that Big V was taking snaps at center. Can you imagine going from Jason Kelsey's athleticism to Halapulivati Vaitai's athleticism at center? The drop-off is massive. The, the, <laughs> you can't run two-thirds of your running game because you can't expect Vaitai to make the blocks that Kelsey makes. Um, but anyway, so that was that was the only part of that exchange over the week of, of Kelsey being gone that mattered to me at all. Besides, yeah, you know, the yeah. kid being born, that was also good. Let's go to the uh, the Jets injury report here. And again, dealing with the Thursday report, it's been announced that Sam Darnold is not playing as we expected and talk about talked about this entire time. Did not participate. Jordan Jenkins, linebacker with a calf, that's going to take a bite out of the pass rush that doesn't exist. Linebacker, off-ball linebacker this time, C.J. Mosley. With a groin, who I was telling you, I really think this defense would look a lot different with C.J. Mosley out there on the field. Like, they went from a very good defense to somewhat average in that week one game when Mosley went out. So he's dealing with a groin. It's not going to be good for them if he doesn't play. It doesn't sound like he's going to. And I think he actually is a difference maker when healthy. And I mean, if he's out there, he's not going to be healthy. He's not going to be at full speed. So that's a that's a, a continual hit for them. Uh, did not participate. Offensive guard Kalecio Semele dealing with a shoulder and a knee. We talked about them in the Jets offense versus Eagles defense preview on KNS 127. Limited participation. Linebacker Terrell Basham, really an edge player with dehydration. So I guess not too much of an issue there. But I like Basham. I, I think he's going to be a decent rotational situational pass rusher type of guy uh, out of uh, Ohio, right? Yeah, I, never, I didn't yeah. really know why the Colts cut him. Um, but I guess the Colts have like a bunch of rotational guys and you can only carry so many of them. But anyway, yeah, I yeah. think Basham will stick for the Jets. Obviously, we expect him to play in this upcoming game, but the Jets have like nobody coming off yeah. the edge at all. And we'll talk about that. Also, a little bit of participation. Wide receiver Josh Bellamy had no idea he was on the Jets. He's dealing with a shoulder. Tight end Dan Brown, don't know who he is. He's dealing with an ankle. Running back Trenton Cannon. Who are these people? Don't you okay, don't dealing- disparage Trenton Cannon. You should know where he's from. Where is he from? Virginia State. How the hell should I know that? There's a Virginia State? Wow, surprising. Uh he's Virginia State, which I believe is a is a division two school. Uh he was a <laughs> sixth round pick, seventh round pick, sixth round pick. He is uh quick little dude, special teams player, returner. Yeah. I've I've always had a soft spot in my heart for him. He's a you know Boston Scott? Yeah, he's five ten. You know what I mean? He is a he is a short, dense young man. That's exciting. So Virginia State running back legend Trenton Cannon dealing with a yes, hamstring. I think ankle. he has a record at Virginia State. I'm not positive. But anyway. <laughs> I mean, I would 
hope so. Virginia State player gets to the NFL. I would think right. that he has some now, sort of. Now he does wear at- like thirty. He wear. I know he wore forty last year. And I'm pretty sure he's wearing like oh, he's wearing twenty five this year. So that's better. But when he was in forty, we had a problem. Defensive lineman Quinnen Williams is dealing with an ankle. The first round selection for the Jets that could be a hit for him. Wide receiver Demarius Thomas is dealing with a hamstring. Full participation cornerback Brian Poole dealing with a groin. He's been solid this year. Cornerback Daryl Roberts dealing with an ankle. Then offensive guard Brian Winters who has not been good. He is dealing with the shoulder as well. Anything from that stand out? When did Demarius Thomas? get on this football team a brother they have so many people that i'm just like well, okay i guess they're on the jets now <laughs> and nobody cares thomas because... was on the patriots to start the season i know this. Right. this has to be true yeah i believe so yes okay he had two yeah. he had two targets one reception against cleveland and then he didn't do anything okay so yes and then he was no it says 2019 just the jets he's had stats so i don't think he took any snaps from england anyway demarius thomas man like 400 days ago i was like yeah dt's a good player and now it's just like he's on the jets it's amazing how quickly that happens how old is he 32 wow boy that drop-off happened for him fast he had, he had a big one, injury though two, right three four five six he had six straight seasons with 16 games started 16 games played he was over a thousand receiving yards in five of the six hmm. and then yeah denver's quarterback situation fell off a cliff his yards per reception went down. His targets per game went down. Then there was the uh, the trade to Houston, the injuries, and right. then bounce to New England, bounce to the Jets. Like literally like two seasons. The Achilles. Right. That's what it was. Because 2017 went to the Pro Bowl, then the trade happened, then he tore the Achilles. So I can yeah. okay, yeah. And then oh, it was yeah. cut by the Patriots August 31st, 2019. Okay. That's a wild sequence there. But yeah. Right. So the Jets now are having they have a bad roster that's also missing significant talent. So is there's there's issues. I mean, with Poole potentially out, it's a big deal because now, I mean, you're going to be starting on, on the outside. Tremaine Johnson, who's really been struggling in, yeah. in, in, in his entire Jets tenure. You're going to be starting Daryl Roberts, who's taken 100% of their snaps as the other outside corner. Not very good. Yeah. In the slot. Arthur Mollett, Nate Hairston. I mean, Nate Hairston hasn't even taken some of their outside snaps. So if pulls out, would you kick Hairston in and put an outside corner? Like, I don't know how well their cornerback depth is equipped to deal with this without shuffling right. some pieces around. I mean, they traded like a sixth for Hairston a few weeks ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the Eagles starting, you know, a practice squad or like Craig James or something ridiculous that the right. Eagles would never do. Yeah, so it's all bad. Yeah, like Alshon Jeffrey is going to get Daryl Roberts, which is right. fun. Like the, the, these are bad matchups for them. Yeah, because yeah, you've got Jamal Adams and Marcus May, and so that they'll, they'll present some issues for for Zach Ertz and for Dallas Goddard, which they'll still win because there's Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, but. This is pretty good safety. These are going to be able to rotate down in the box, play with the Eagles' tight ends, even without Deshaun returning. I mean, Alshon against Tremaine, Aguilar, Mac Hollins against Daryl Roberts, Nate Harrison is advantage Eagles across the board uh, in terms of the, the one-on-one passing matchups that you're getting. And then from an outside rush perspective, I just don't know. I mean, Jordan Jenkins out for this upcoming right. game, most likely. Yeah, You have Henry Anderson, who rushes as their big end who Anderson's like an end playing at like 285. So not no speed coming off the edge whatsoever. Kyle Phillips, Bronson, Kafusi. Right, you have Bronson, Kafusi, who's the other big end sort of a guy. Again, this is a 275 sort of player. And then you have Harvey Lange, Frankie Louvu. <laughs> these are these are not starters. These are not even, like Frankie Louvu is not even a situational player on most teams. So you have Terrell Basham, who dehydration we assume he's gonna play but this guy was cut by the colts hmm. 
Jenkins is probably your best pass rusher, third round pick in 2016, but he's needed to be improved upon since 2016. The Jets are one of the worst pass rushers in the league, and they're going to be beat up. How are they building this team? They have a terrible offensive Great line. question. And then they, they pay a running back $27 million guaranteed over a four-year contract, knowing that they they were worse in the, in the league in adjusted line yards. And then you look at their defensive line. It's all interior guys. That's it. It's Leonard Williams who's having a, a down year. Right. It's Steve McClendon who's having a good year, but it doesn't matter. You just run away from these guys. You know who's leading their team in sacks right now? Is it Jamal Adams? No. Oh. Listen, listen. This is a Greg Williams coordinated defense. Jamal yeah. Adams is at closest 15 <laughs> yards off the ball. Well, technically, they put, right. they put Marcus May up high, but we're just getting jokes off here. It's Neville Hewitt. Who's oh. Neville Hewitt? He's their starting inside linebacker. Yeah, but who is he? It's a UDFA from Miami. Ah. So, in other words, a player that Miami didn't want. I mean, if that tells you anything, that that right. tells now he you came everything. over in he came over in 2018 was their backup, and now he's a, he's a starter for them. Coming into the season, he had two and a half career sacks. He has two sacks in this season. Congrats to Neville Hewitt leaving the Jets in sacks with two over three games. Tremendous. They've gotten solid results, I guess, considering the the talent there. Greg Williams is going to try to confuse this pass protection with different looks on the front. I think that's the the biggest thing that I'm going to take away from this game. The looks that Greg Williams gives this offense, this offensive line in Carson Wentz, and how they communicate that pre-snap, how they recognize that pre-snap, how good are they at picking those up, picking up what's going to happen, and checking into the right plays. Because I think from a pre-snap phase, Carson Wentz has been very, very good this year at recognizing things before the snap. He's he's not Jared Goff. He doesn't have to wait to hear something in his headset. He is actively changing the plays. He's an active part of the pre-snap phase for the Eagles. So I am in that way, just as far as they could have you know blank numbers. They could be 0-0. Zero, zero. And just move them around like chess pieces and then see how Carson attacks from there, see how the protection deals with them. I think that's the most interesting part of this matchup. For right, me. because when Todd Bowles was released, which, you know, is increasingly looking like a tremendous decision. And uh, Greg Williams. <laughs> that's so mad. Nice. Right. And Adam Gase. I love Todd Bowles. Adam Gase was brought in as the new head coach. With him came Greg Williams, which if you needed a red flag about Adam Gase. With him came Greg Williams. <laughs> Williams was, okay, so we, we ran a 3-4 with Bowles, and now we're going to run a 4-3 with Williams. Well, it's never as neat as that, and it's accordingly not as neat on the film because, firstly, the personnel of this team is such that they run a 3-4. Bronze yeah. Kalfusi and Henry Anderson are big ends. Those are 3-4 ends. Those are five techniques, four, te- four techniques. Those, those are not guys that you want lining up in two-point stances outside of the tight end. It's not where you're going to win. And then you have players like... Uh, you know, they, they use the rookie Quinn and Williams a fair bit, but it's it's Steve McClendon as interior two gappers. These are nose tackles. These are zero to one technique players. Quinn can be a three, yeah. but McClendon's a one. Yeah. Leonard Williams, 2015 first round pick, hasn't been great for them, but he's been at his most successful 3-4 defensive end. That's where they've aligned him. And, and, and he's not a good three technique. Not an end either. So now you've got personnel for a 3-4 front. Siri heard me somehow. But anyway, it is a 3-4 front. And accordingly, Williams incorporates two-gap responsibilities, which is what you typically yeah. see in an odd front. Three men in the front, five men in the front. And he incorporates alignments like the uh, a four technique and like a zero technique, which are typified by odd fronts and three-four alignments. So, you know, the whole like offseason narrative was always Greg Williams is going to come bring a 4-3, and he hasn't really. They've run 
stuff that's closer to a 4-3 than they ran with Bowles, but go put on any Bowles film of Tampa Bay right now. You know you're going to see? Four guys in the line of scrimmage. Right, nickel, yeah. Yeah. This is not, so So the, the we as we know, the lines between 3-4 and 4-3 are very blurred. And the Jets, from a personnel perspective, have guys that make more sense on looks, on fronts, on alignments that are more typified of, of odd fronts and 3-4 defenses. So yeah. I don't even think Williams has brought a 4-3 defense to the Jets. I don't even think you can say he's done that yet. Now, Greg Williams was hired, and a couple months later, the NFL draft occurred. And then about a month under, after that, the GM was fired. So I think we can all agree that there wasn't much of an effort from the general manager's office to bring in the players to fit the 4-3 scheme, right? right? And this is the thing, you know, that we kind of said, what are they doing at the edge position? They haven't been doing anything at the edge position for years. Yeah. Mike McCagney was not drafting on the edge. I mean, why do we think that Joe Douglas was hesitant to take this position and right. needed so much convincing? Because there is nothing there when you're talking about the building blocks of an offense outside of a quarterback who we still don't know about yet, but it's a high draft pick and I like him. I like Donald. Offensive line? Defensive line, you got nothing going on. Right, and so you have to imagine, and obviously they went after Anthony Barr this year and they failed the chase and that sucks. But you have to imagine that one of the things that was discussed when Douglas was brought in was we need to be able to transition this front to a 4-3. And so we got to, number one, figure out what we have with Leonard Williams. Number two, see if we have anything that's, that's salvageable on the edge. Yeah. And then number three, prepare from a free agency perspective to completely overhaul the defensive line. Right. And I think that they can. You know what I mean? From a, I think from a linebacker perspective, with Hewitt Mosley and then fifth-round rookie uh, Blake Cashman, who's been playing good reps in in uh, in relief of Mosley, obviously out with injury. I think if you have a high-end guy like Mosley, you can figure it, it out right. with other pieces I around think, him. Well, yeah, the thing is, I think you can go Cashman, Sam, Mosley, yeah. uh, uh, whatever, Mike, and then Hewitt will and be successful. Mm-hmm. So there's your three off-ball linebackers. Now you need, you know, because they've been rotating Cashman down the line of scrimmage. If you're going to keep those three guys off-ball, you got to be able to put four guys down and have them penetrate in a one-gapping system that Greg Williams wants to run. They don't have those players. They got Quinnen, good start. They don't have anybody anywhere else. As I don't know if Williams is that. Is Williams has been a weird eval at the NFL level. So the Jets are looking at a, a, a multiplayer and probably multi-year expensive rebuild on their front four to get the defense looking the way that Greg Williams, of all people, wants it to look. So you're going to like change your personnel approach to fulfill Greg Williams' needs. And how long is Greg Williams even going to be there anyway? And you didn't even mention cornerback. I mean, just using PFF grades at a baseline, not calling them gospel, but it's pretty bad when, when the worst graded players on your team, three or four of them, are your cornerbacks. Tremaine Johnson, Daryl Roberts, this guy named Arthur Mullet. <laughs> like, yeah. That's Do they bad. have Poole in as a safety or a corner? He's a corner. But yeah. Poole is playing the, the slot for him, Yeah, he right? plays the nickel, right. The Jets yeah, have yeah, listed yeah. as a safety on the depth chart. I didn't know if PFF was doing it by alignment. Yeah, he's been he's been good. I like Brian Poole. Yeah, they list him as a cornerback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they should. The whole safety thing is bullocks. It's like, you know, yeah. Monty Maddox was a safety last year. Well, not really. But Poole's been playing well for them in the, in the slot, and he's out. So... That's their one corner guy. Yeah. That's the thing is like not only do you have a big rebuild looking ahead of you because you haven't been able to draft defense in the past few years, the the the, the coach under whom you're rebuilding is Greg Williams. And I don't think Greg Williams and Adam Gage are going to be around in New York for very long. And so mm-hmm. now you're, you're obviously talent is talent, um, but you're going to add players that Greg Williams is looking for. And then my anticipation is by 2021, 2022, Greg Williams is gone. Yeah, and now and now you know you you might be finding yourself in a similar situation where the defensive coordinator that your head coach wants to bring in is going to want different prototypes of different positions, and this is why you have to have alignment 
between your head coach and your general manager, which is why it doesn't make sense to hire a head coach, have a one general manager run a draft, and then fire that general manager and bring in a new guy. That's dumb yep. and shocking news. So the Jets' defense, from a exactly from a team building perspective, is completely in shambles. I, I think the offense has done some good things. I mean, adding a Jamison Crowder helps a player like a young player like Sam Donald. Crowder is a very consistent underneath target. They tried to revamp that offensive line a great deal. I mean, Kalikio Semele was an ad. Ryan Khalil was an ad. Alex Lewis was an ad. Shuma Doga, third round pick. They cycled in a bunch of new talent it takes a while to get that right yeah and then a lot of these guys there's a reason why they were available like assembly was big ticket but everybody else was kind of not and there's a reason for that it's because not great talent but they clearly tried to improve the offensive line and we know that running backs are friends to rookie quarterbacks we know that if you are establishing a good running game and Le'Veon bell's been a part of a good running game for many 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 years obviously we know the offensive line is a huge part of that but mm. young running backs can be big help to quarterback especially running backs with Le'Veon bell's receiving profile because again Short game, working checkdowns. He's, he's a quarterback's good friend, a uh, talented running back, especially when he can catch. And so I do think they, the moves have been, they've attempted to make them. We could have, you know, uh, let's not forget, like, Donald looked good in week one. Second half of the season, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like, like Donald's one. had some really nice flashes. Like, there's, there's been, there's reason for hope on this offense. Not right now, because Donald's out with mononucleosis. But with Donald healthy, I think there is. So there has been some good thought process on building for the offense the defense has been in shambles for years when we come back here on the kiss and so show i'm gonna ask ben a question and he has no idea of what it is we'll see how he That's, responds and we'll get necessary. to our predictions <laughs> right after this with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back here on the Kiss and Solak Show, episode 128, brought to you by SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kiss here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, really... The only question I had was any last thoughts on how you think the Eagles offense might attack this? Uh, do you agree with my sentiment that the most interesting thing is how the Eagles respond to the different looks from the Jets, just from a mental perspective? Right. No, it, it is. I do think I'm going to make a joke that's half of a take. Maybe Greg has been right this whole time. If you look at 2019 pass attempts and completed passes as opposed to 2018 pass attempts and completed passes, you, there are heat maps that I saw on Twitter. Teams have been much more successful completing to the deep middle of the field this year than they were in previous years, which is mm-hmm. fascinating because that's not anticipated at all. And it's hard to explain. So where you're going with this is... Right. Maybe 22 yards off the line of scrimmage, leaving a safety there just in the middle of the field the whole time is actually genius. Because Williams anticipated this offensive evolution. Did you see what Odell Beckham Jr. did to that? Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> and that's the thing is that the logic behind calls like the inverted Tampa 2 that we've talked about in this podcast is take away that intermediate middle of the field that that concepts are designed to attack because right. they're stressing the deep middle safety and pulling him deep with a seam route or with a go route or whatever. You know, you run Mills, you run Dagger, you run Pin, and you run Yankee. And these are ideas that stretch that deep middle safety who's taught don't let things develop behind you. So pull him downfield and then hit something in front of him for a nice chunk gain. Okay. Mm-hmm. That still all works against Greg Williams. That's why it's a joke and not a take because you still can stress that player. It's just his alignment pre-snap 
makes it so much easier to do things in the middle of the field because you right. weren't going to be throwing 22 yards down the field within two minutes of the to, within two seconds of the snap anyway because nobody can get down there that fast. Correct. So the alignment when we and for those who don't know, Greg Williams leaves his deep middle of the field safety deeper than any other defensive coordinator in the entire league to the point where it's actually quite laughable because you see screenshots of of all 22 film and even broadcast film where you just can't find the player because he's so far deep. And it's like third and two. Yeah, right. There's, the, the, there's nothing he's defending that's valuable. No area that he's defending is under attack. He is the reason all 22 was created. So anyway, I do think that the Eagles, who have been a very heavy outside of the hashes passing team this year, will probably find more success passing to the middle of the field than they have in recent games. Carson Wentz has actually been very right-handed as well. They just run that offense to the right side. I think they're going to be able to do more stuff in the middle. So that's something that interests me from the Eagles' offense perspective. I do. I am curious about, I'll put it to you this way, there was the big phenomenon around the Eagles running the ball. Uh, I don't think they run it nearly as much or nearly effectively against the Jets because the Jets are going to match 12 with base, and they're going to match 11 with nickel. In large parts, they don't have Brian Poole. And so they're just down from a, 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 a player perspective. They're three... Not three, but because Mosley's out. But their linebackers who they've been starting this year are healthy. Pool is all of a sudden out. And so I think that they're they're gonna have an opportunity to to match twelve with base and they have two safeties that they really like who they think can cover uh Ertz and Goddard in base. So I think it's gonna be a passing game out of twelve instead of a running game out of twelve, which is kind of the 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 seesaw that exists for the Eagles offense that, you know, if you just watch the Packers game you may not know, but that's kind of how how I expect them to attack the the Jets defense. Besides that, I mean, I see Alshon healthy. Have a good game against uh, bad, bad competition. They're at cornerback yeah. playing up against him. Who, who, who did we say it was going to be? Daryl Roberts? Daryl Roberts Alshon. or Tremaine Johnson? Who, like, obviously you know Tremaine Johnson's name, but he's like not playing that much better than Daryl Roberts. So maybe this is a big Alshon game. We'll see about that. Ben, let's go to the DraftKings sportsbook odds and predictions and the things. Wow, what a voice! Such a sponsored voice. Can you can you tell my sponsored voice from my yeah, regular absolutely. voice? <laughs> so, uh, the line, and we're recording this on a Friday morning. The line is uh, thirteen and a half for the Eagles. The over under is forty four. What the heck did we say that score was? Ben twenty nine fifteen twenty nine fifteen twenty nine. Do the Eagles score over twenty nine points or under? Uh, you taking the over? We took the under for the Jets at fifteen points. I'll yes. qualify that. Now, do you take the? Over on 29 for the Eagles? Which is is a very aggressive thing to do, which I'm going to do. Because (laughs) I do believe that there's going to be a concerted effort to put points on early. Strong first quarter. I think that if we have an aggressive head coach, who if the the Eagles have a multi-score lead, is going to continue to try to build on that multi-score lead. The Eagles haven't blown a team out in quite some time. Yeah. I think they'd like to. I'm going 34-6. What about you? 34-6. Wow. That's a lot less than 15 for the Jets. I was thinking more like, you know, 31-13. Nice palindromic score. I thought you were going to say like 33-7. to <laughs> no, 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 I'll do 31-13. I'll give the Jets a couple of field goal at the end. I'll give, you know, Luke Falk a nice, you know, seven-play, uh, 48-yard drive that ends in a 46-yard attempt. Yeah, a couple yeah. comeback routes, deep outs to Robbie Feels Anderson. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. You're pushing the over-under, you coward. Would you go over or under? If, like, regardless of your score. Oh, yeah, you... I hit 44 right on. Yeah, have a take. I'm going under. Probably I mean, under, yeah. Like you said, the Eagles are going to put points up quick. Right, yeah. I'll t- uh, under makes sense to me there, which under for 44 total is a bit bold when you have an offense like the Eagles involved, but I just think the Jets are that bad. Long drives to end the game, heavy running game, whether it's working or not at the end, who cares? Let's just take it home. Got to establish. Got to establish the run 
like the Seattle Seahawks. By the way, we talked about that that Seattle Los Angeles game from Thursday. Mm-hmm. You know Brian Schottenheimer's magic number theory? 37 or 26 or whatever the heck it is. Well, that's like the balance. 53 runs plus completions is a win. They hit 56. The analytics are bumping in Seattle. Absolutely. You cannot deny them. That was the not thing about analytics is that it relies on buckets or around by arbitrary numbers. And so right. this is clearly uh, is the, the trend we need to key in on. Ben, say goodbye to the gentle listeners. I think that's going to do it for uh, for this half-hearted, admittedly, recap. If you're just now listening to the Kiss and Soli show for the first time, this is typically not how our recap shows go. Well, this is not a recap show. It's a preview show, so there's that. This is not how our preview shows go, <laughs> but this is also the Jets. <laughs> Well, if you want to know more about what Greg Williams is trying to do from a defensive scheme perspective, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Yeah, you don't want to, but if you do, um, <laughs> no, it's 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 a bad football team in the Jets coming to town on Sunday, and that's okay. The Eagles could go for a game against a bad football team, especially considering the slate that they are looking at week six through week 10 and 11 of the season as the Eagles get into their bye week. Obviously, an important stretch, as all stretches are important for uh, the football teams, 16 games, and we start to think about the NFC East and about the playoffs. If you enjoyed the show, please go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. If you do have any questions, of course, I am on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Babes on Broad, BGN Radio main show. Previews for the Eagles. Jets preparing you for this weekend of what should be thrilling Philadelphia football. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you later next week. We all we got, we all we need, fly Eagles fly. Uh, Adam Gase quote here, Sam Donald was tested last night. His spleen quote is not where it needs to be, end quote. <laughs> but this this goes back to what I was saying in the previous show, right? Where it's like, we're like In acting his body? Like this is like a regular football thing. Like, oh yeah, right. his calf's not where it's supposed to be yet. Yeah, no, we just don't think his shoulder's where it's supposed to be yet. His spleen is not where it's supposed to be yet. <laughs> He's sick. Is it in his butt? Like, I don't, where, where is it? <laughs> He's sick. He's sick and he shouldn't play football. P G N. <laughs>